0: Greetings, everyone, and welcome to episode 40. Hard to believe we are already at episode 40 of Teaching Tales. I am Brent Coley, your host and elementary principal in beautiful Southern California. And joining me today, I'm really excited. I always say I'm really excited, but I'm really excited today to talk to Pam Gildersleeve-Hernandez. Pam, how are you doing today?
1: I am doing fantastic this morning. Thank you, Brent.
0: Awesome, awesome. Well, Pam, I know... um, we have we chatted last year at a conference, Lead Three Conference, which is kind of an educational technology conference for administrators down in Redondo Beach. And we, I mean, we're in each other's PLN, our professional learning networks on Twitter. Haven't had a whole bunch of face-to-face time, but I know that you have listened to the podcast and you reached out and said, Brent, I have I I extended the offer saying I would love to have you on if you have stories. And you reached out recently and said, Brent, I've got some stories to share, and I am super pumped because what you said you wanted to talk about, I think uh, listeners are going to get a ton out of this because it applies. it's going to apply to uh, whatever level, whether you're a, an instructional aide, a custodian, a classroom teacher, an administrator at the site, an administrator at the district, it's going to be applicable across the board, and yeah. be- but before we get started... Who is Pam Gildersleeve Hernandez? For anyone not familiar with your greatness, who is Pam?
1: (laughs) That might be overstating it a little bit. (laughs) I'm surrounded by amazing people. And when we're surrounded by amazing people, right, they make us look good. And I have been blessed to have a lot of that in my life and in my career. And I'm going to talk about some of those incredible people with you today. Um, So I am in a small rural school district. It's a single K-8 school district, which means I get to be the superintendent, the principal, the HR director, the CIO. I I get to wear a lot of hats. It also means that my staff wears a lot of hats. Mm -hmm. They take a lead on a lot of things that teachers or classified staff typically wouldn't be taking the lead on in districts with larger people capacity. So there's a shout out to them right just from the get-go.
0: Yeah. And I gosh, it's so true that those around us, I mean, make us look better. I mean, I, I, I'm in the same situation from my front office staff to my uh, support staff. My assistant principal, Cassie Caldwell, is, oh, my gosh. So she's getting ready to go out on maternity in a week. So we're going to see just how much she does that I don't even realize she does. <laughs> it's one of those types her
1: of... Granted. Yeah, I have Sarah and Don in our front office, and every <clears throat> single day, they make me a better person.
0: Yeah. Yep. Yep. Leslie, Darla, Shauna, uh, Raylene in my front office, the same, same type of thing. But today, um, your stories that you want to share shifting to a culture of love and care. I didn't even mean to make that rhyme, but it did. How about that? It's a poetic podcast. Um, You wanted to talk about those building of relationships. I know last episode with Joe Sanfilippo, he shared some stories about being intentional about building relationships. And you want to kind of continue that. So I'll go ahead and pass the virtual microphone to you. Sounds
1: great. So I'm going to start with telling a story of when I interviewed for my current position. So I was familiar with the community already and I know that there are just um, amazing families, amazing children, community support out there. And the way I got this job was kind of interesting because I had no intention of looking for another job. I loved the people that I worked with and somebody dropped this flyer on my desk and I'll be quite honest, this was the the thing that they said. They said, who the hell would want to work out there? (laughs) And I thought, are you kidding me? I know these people. This is an incredible community. This is a community that invests in their children. They love their children. And I read through what they were looking for. And it read like my resume. And I thought, wow, hey, I think I might do this. I never saw myself as a superintendent principal in a small rural school district. But I thought, you know what, I want to work out there. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: This sounds like quite the opportunity to really make a difference. So I get through the process to get an interview and I'm sitting in the office and because it's small, it's rural. It's the front office where kids come also when they get in trouble.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And I sit down next to this boy and I'm thinking what a golden opportunity to get some insight into the school. Right. I know it from the distance. I know people in the community, but they haven't actually had the
0: chance to visit with the kids that go to school there. Someone on the front line, someone who day to day
1: absolutely so i tell him i said hey i said so my name is mrs Gildersleeve Hernandez. i know it's a mouthful right i said you don't have to say the whole thing um but i'm here to uh, learn more about your school today what can you tell me and he beams with pride about his school. And he's talking to me about the kids and his friends and what he's doing on the playground. And not one minute into this conversation, an adult walks into the room and points at him and yells at him and says, I told you to get in here and not say anything for 10 minutes. Mm. And he completely shut down. And I felt responsible for that because I didn't know that.
0: You didn't know he was supposed to be quiet. I
1: did not. And And here's this kid who is beaming about his school. I thought he still has pride in his school and where he, he goes to school, even though this person came in and really just shut him down. And it broke my heart. Right. So I whisper in his ear. I'm like, hey, you don't have to say anything to me. Right. But I'm sorry. Right. That's kind of my fault. I didn't I didn't know. And he was being respectful to an adult. Right. Here's an adult who wants to know about my school. I am to tell you about it. He was stuck in this really tough place with that question. So I go through the interview process and I select it and I say, you know, Hey, before I want to say yes, I want to come out and I want to visit during the day and I want to take a look at the school and see what's going on. Well, I go out there for this visit and I show up during recess time and I see the same boy. Mm, Awesome. He's getting in trouble again. Oh. And what happens is an adult yells at him and they point to the wall and they tell him to get on the wall and stand on the wall. And I remember that culture. From the 90s when i was a teacher i remember doing my student teaching at a high school and that was what was taught at that time and i remember like i remember this somebody brought this out to the school and it worked really great for compliance mm-hmm. and making things easy out there right Th- these children are no longer our problem they're off to the side i can focus on the kids that are, are making my work easy to do and once again i mean my heart is broken because my first impression of this child this young man was he's proud to be here he wants to learn. So my first, in my mind, I'm thinking that my first act that I have to do on the first day of school is I have to connect with this kid. Yeah, I have to connect with this teacher because I need this child to have a different experience. We start out the school year. The very first thing I say to the staff is, Hey, I'm just getting to know you guys you are the culture here you are the history here you are the glue that has held things together my intention is not to come in and immediately change things i want to find out from you what's working what's not working what what do you want to see happen but i'm going to tell you something there's one thing it is going to be the hill that i die on hmm. We're getting rid of the wall hmm. And there was a lot of pushback because people were comfortable with this. They knew what to do with this. What do we do now? I said, you know what, we will figure it out. Yeah. Getting rid of the wall. So in the last two and a half years, we've developed some really structured, different structures, different strategies. And because the people that are there really care about kids and love kids and with some different options, they have been changing lives. And I can't tell you how inspired I am about each of them. So, you know, positive behavior intervention systems, school-wide, right? The teachers mm-hmm. are implementing in their classrooms. We have, we have our Cop Being Good every Monday morning ceremony where we celebrate how good our kids are being. And that's super because it's everybody that's out there. Parents are invited to attend and every single staff member is celebrating our students. One of the other things we've been doing at the same time is we're really focusing, as are many other schools and many other districts, are on trauma-informed practices for our schools. What do we do to really make a difference in the lives of our students who are coming to school with things that we just don't even know about, that might be be triggering behaviors that we don't understand, but they look like defiance, they look like noncompliance, they look like I don't care about learning, but that's not really what they are. Yeah. So, some of the things that have happened as we've done this training and we're shifting this culture to one of compliance and one from the wall to this culture of love and caring for our children, we had a staff meeting where we created a poster board, and I, this is going to be a shout out to Letty. So, Letty is an instructional assistant who just naturally brings love and caring to everything that she does. Um, we we created poster boards, she created poster boards, where we listed the name of every single student in our school from kindergarten through eighth grade. Huh. Letty had to be home with her sick child on the day of the staff meeting, and i thought oh no what i'm going to wear for those poster boards right then let the attacks because right this i can't have this be a bust this is going to be, be really meaningful let the had taken home those poster boards even though her son was sick her family's fighting this terrible flu that's going around and she finished them at home and brought them in wow on sick day right that that sends me a message that's pretty powerful right yeah. So we post those all around this room, every single kid, and we bring out different color markers. And what the staff has to do now is go by each one of those posters and say, and draw a circle of a child that you are connected to, not just because you know what they're doing here at school, but because you can have a conversation with them about something that's important in their lives. You know, are they interested in baseball? Are they planning on playing on a little league team over the summer? You know, do they play club ball in one of the neighboring communities? Because we're pretty small.
0: Yeah.
1: Does this child go to choir in, again, it's a neighboring community? And is this her passion? Does this kid have horses at home? What, what is it that drives them? What is their passion? And then what we wanted to do next was look at, is anybody missing circles?
0: Yeah, who's not circled.
1: <laughs> yeah, who, who doesn't have somebody there? Who doesn't have that trusted adult? And then that conversation, we also continued that conversation with, okay, we think we're connected to them. Do they think they're connected to us?
0: Mm.
1: And how do we know? Yeah. So great things happen. So what we found that the only students that had zero circles next to them, where we have this family of five that just joined our district, was the family of five who had just joined our district. right? So that's okay, we, we still need to get to know them. But then it was also, do these children trust us the way we want them to? So I can talk to you, I, I know what you're doing outside of school, but does that carry over into those deeper conversations so that if I've had a really bad morning and my day's about to go south, there is an adult on campus that I can say, hey, here's what's going on and, and help me reframe my day. So we have this fabulous woman, Emily Smith, who is an instructional assistant. She's the lead yard duty. She is the after school program. She is local in the community and connected to everyone. And as we went through all of these names, here's what I learned about Emily that I didn't know before that. Emily knows something special about every single child in our school.
0: Awesome. Awesome.
1: Yes. And as we talked about kids that we were concerned, like, hey, I know something about this kid, but I'm not sure that I'm really connected to him. What what can I talk to him about? Emily had the answer.
0: Yeah, you just went to Emily. Emily.
1: Yes, absolutely. Every single time, right? And and it was incredible. It was from the toys that they like to play with if they were little and in kindergarten and in first grade, right, to maybe what their favorite video game is if they are in eighth grade
0: wow, yeah how many how many students do you have at your school?
1: So we fluctuate. We have a military base that feeds into our community. So we can fluctuate, and we can be anywhere from one fifty four to one hundred and seventy two within a matter of
0: weeks. Sure. yes, and, and she's got and she's got a specific thing on every single one of those kids. That's amazing. That is so, so great.
1: Isn't it? And she finds things out very quickly about the kids. She's out there connecting with them and pays attention to the details of, you know, what is on their sweatshirt, on their backpack, on their lunchbox. Because if I've got frozen on my lunchbox, guess what I'm really into? I like princesses. Right. And she pays attention to those details and and knows that. She could also identify every
0: single child's jacket. Oh, (laughs) and i oh, my gosh.
1: I got this pink parka. Right. And <laughs> and she, Emily knows,
0: she like, knows whose it is that's a, that's a, she needs to come to my school because i've got so many i've got like thousands of dollars worth of lost jackets in our lost and found it's crazy <laughs> i've got about 850 kids and it's like it's staggering how yeah. many lost items of clothing there are in our in our lost and found wow yes
1: so you know there, there Emily's not the only one though as we do this, so I, you know, there's a, another teacher I'd like to tell you about, Kathleen. Kathleen is our lead teacher, and when I'm not around, she's the one that takes point. And I was just out this last week, and there was a young man that was having a difficult time, and he was melting down in the classroom, crying, crying. So, you know, the teacher reached out to her for help. I can't figure out what's going on. It's like clearly, Something has happened to him before he got here. Mm -hmm. He's just melting. And Kathleen, instead of taking approach of being frustrated or, you know, because that could be frustrating. I can't connect to you. Sits with this child and she looks at him, makes face-to-face contact. And he's bawling. Right, And she says, look at me. Look at my face. Do I look mad? Mm -hmm. And he looks at her. Stops. And then starts bawling again crying, no. Right? Yeah. And she said, look at me. Look at my face. Do I look disappointed? And he looks at her, no, but he still keeps crying. And then she gets to him, him talking to him about, tell me about your day before you got to school this morning. What happened before you came here? And then a story was told. Hmm.
0: Because everybody has a story.
1: Yes. And I'm not going to share that story here as part of this interview. Sure. That's the child's story. But that connection and having that child look her in the face and say, look at my face. Right? Do I look mad? Yeah. Do I look disappointed? Do I look like I care about you right now? and reframing his mindset for the day to be able to get him back into the classroom and to connect with his friends and the students and the teacher and his learning.
0: That is that is so, so important because as a principal myself, I mean, very frequently we're called in to talk to kiddos who may be melting down like you're saying, or just perhaps it is defiance or whatever. And especially after hearing conversations like that, doing something similar to that. Like I remember myself saying sometimes like, am I yelling at you? Am I raising my voice? And they're like, no, because oftentimes they expect you to. Yes. The, adult, the adults in their life. uh Oh, I'm in trouble. He's going to be mad. He's going to quote unquote yell at me. Cause you know, <laughs> you'd yeah. say yell and it's like, whoa, well, well, I'm not yelling or I mean, but <clears throat> And, and just starting that, it's like, I'm just talking, bud. And, I mean, do you think you're in trouble? Like, I'm we're just talking. We're just talking, or let's let's take a walk. And getting them to a to a point, because in the situation of your of your student, he wasn't gonna talk to her if if he thought he was gonna get in more trouble. I mean, there's no way that the walls would come down. He right. he need he needed that, that de escalation of This is a safe place. This is a safe person who cares about me. And then he was able to share that backstory that, my guess, is, really helped explain why that behavior was taking place.
1: Exactly. Brent, one of the other things as you're talking, there is a shift in culture that we've also had where, you know, kids kids do come in the office, right? And one of the things that they like to do, right, is they like to lie to make sure they don't get in trouble. Mm Mm-hmm. Because that accountability for behavior is really, really hard. And teaching them that, hey, guess what? We all make mistakes. Yeah. We all do things without thinking about it. And we don't know why we did it until afterwards when we realize, wow, I sure wish I could have a do over at the last 10 minutes.
0: Yeah.
1: And what we have started to do with our kids is here's the deal. If you tell me the truth, you're not going to be in trouble. You might, you're going to get held accountable. Yeah but you're not going to be in trouble. And here's what else we're going to do. I'm going to help you fix it. Because here's what I know about you. When you got up this morning, and you ate breakfast, and you brushed your teeth, you were not thinking in your mind, I want to go to school today, and I want to have a bad day, and I want to get in trouble, and I want to have a teacher yell at me, and I want the other kids in school to be mad at me and leave me out. That is not how you showed up at school today. <laughs> so here's something that happened, and yet you know what, some kids got mad at you, and- <clears throat> tell there's a grown-up that's frustrated with you here right now too so here's what i'm going to ask of you i'm going to ask you to trust me and i'm going to ask you to tell me what really happened yeah what do you need to do to fix it now and how can i help you with that
0: you you mentioned the word do over Mm -hmm. and that is so i'm going to give a shout out to my mom who who used to use this with me when i was a kid (laughs) (laughs) and 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 then But I have found exactly what you just said, it just is really resonating with me is kids make mistakes. And like you said, they're afraid of getting in more trouble, so they lie and dig the hole deeper when really what they want is a do-over. And remember my mom saying, Brent, this is something that I found highly effective with you. (laughs) And and I have used it since with students, and it's highly effective. And it's that do-over thing, is when students oftentimes say, I didn't do it. I didn't do it. And you know, they did it. <laughs> <You> know, <laughs> they did. Like the chocolates all over their face and there's chocolate all over their fingers. And they are saying, I didn't eat the cookies. It wasn't me. And you know, they did it, but they're not, Is throwing them a lifeline mm-hmm. and giving them an out. And, and the, what, what I have found to be really effective is saying something like, you know, Billy, I'm hearing you say you didn't do it. And a lot of times, kids, when they've made a mistake, they say they didn't do it. Like, oh, I didn't do it. When what they really mean is, I wish I didn't do it. Yeah. Like, if I had a time machine and I could go back in time a couple minutes, and I had a do-over, I wouldn't do it again. A lot of times kids say, I didn't do it, when they really mean I wish I didn't do it. Really? Yeah. Is, is, is that what's happening here? Did you do it, but you wish you didn't do it like it? And, and if they did it nine times out of 10, they'd look. They say, yeah. Like, because you're giving them an out. And like you said, there may be a consequence, but it's not going to be nearly as bad as if you keep digging that hole deeper. But you're giving that kiddo a do-over. And as adults, I mean, shoot, we need an opportunity like that too. Something, when we, Give me a do-over. So, but that's, that's something that really, it's been highly effective when I deal with, with students who it's like, you're saying I didn't do it. I really think you mean, I wish I didn't do it. Is, yeah. is that, and if they didn't do it, they'll tell you, Mr. Coley, I didn't do it.
1: Yeah, <laughs> you can tell, right? The, the yeah. eye contact, the body language. The, oh
0: yeah, but, but, but when you give them that out, that safety to say, I'm giving you an opportunity to come clean, and it's going to be okay if you do. If you did it, just tell me. Because I think, I wish I didn't do it. I wish I didn't do a lot of things. So, yeah, that do-over is so important, giving them that opportunity.
1: It is. And, you know, one of the things with those do-overs and what we talk about also is we, tra- changing the language. So, you know, like I mentioned earlier, you know, it's not about getting in trouble. It's about being held accountable. Because what I want my students to feel like is when they leave, whatever adult that they've been held accountable with is that they don't leave saying, I got in trouble because that then becomes that identifier, right? I've been getting in trouble since kindergarten. I've been getting in trouble since fourth grade. But, you know, yeah, I've been held accountable, but I got to have a do-over on it. Yeah, It's a completely different personal identifier for that student and puts them on a different track. And yeah. we talked about when kids make mistakes, I make sure that, you know, one of the things we let them know and look in the eyes and say, here's something I know about you. I know that inside your heart, you are a good person. I know you made a decision today to do something that had some consequences. That means you're going to have to be held accountable for them, but I still know you are a good person yeah. and you're a person of good character, which is why you're going to go out there and you're going to fix that. And you're going to get help if you need, need help to fix it, or you're going to fix it on your own and then come back and let me know how you did it. Yeah. And and that's pretty powerful because we see as as kids get older and they get into high school, they already have a way that they identify themselves out of their elementary and their middle school years. I'm somebody that got in trouble a lot or I'm somebody that got held accountable a lot. Yeah. It's a real different
0: mindset. It's taken that responsibility. She, he got me in trouble. whoa, whoa. Your your choice got yourself in trouble type thing, and yeah, huge huge shift in how, and I think that's just so important for kids as they grow up to uh, responsibility, accountability, and 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 how many times have you heard as adults adults say, "Gosh, when I I made a lot of dumb decisions when I was a kid." I mean, they're able to recognize that as an adult. It wasn't the teacher's game. it was me. Okay. I I was making those choices, and the sooner we can, or the younger we can help kids get into that frame of mind the better we're all going to be absolutely so yeah wow pam good good stuff i one final thing when you were talking i wrote down perception is reality and when you had talked about that student who um felt like uh, felt i'm in trouble i'm in trouble i'm in trouble and oftentimes i think as adults we have to be so sensitive to what we say how we say it and not, not just the words that come out of my mouth but expressions on our face tone of voice body language things like that because the number of times that i've had conversations with students and or their parents and for a, a student for a six-year-old for example a first grader his or her perception is his or her reality Regardless of what the intent was there, if a, if, a kind, if a harsh word was spoken, the adult may not have intended to um, make that student feel a particular way, but that was the reality for that kiddo. That, I mean, teacher doesn't like me, for example. It's like, well, that's not, that's not true. It's heartbreaking to hear that, isn't it? It's not, yeah, that's not true, but if a six-year-old feels that way, that's, that, at the moment... That is his or her reality, and we need to be so intentional about. Geez, am I am I folding my arms? Do I have a scowl on my face, even if I don't realize it? I mean, I've had someone, I've had people come to me and say, "You okay, Brent?" What, what What do you mean? It's like, wait, well, you just kind of have a look on your face, like. And I may have had, I may have things on my on my mind, and I'm going through it without even realizing that the look on my face was communicating a. Look of unhappiness, <laughs> frustration, or something like that. And I don't want the reality, the perception of others to be like, ooh, Brent's in a bad mood or something like that, if that's not necessarily the case.
1: Right. Brent, I have to sh- share with you a great story because I work with wonderful people who um, also have a culture of love and caring for me.
0: <laughs>
1: yeah <laughs> Thank you, uh, Sarah and Dawn in the front office. Uh, so, one of the things that I did not realize was a tell for myself my, my hair is parted on the left side. And apparently when I am worried about something or concerned or my stress level is getting a little bit high, I flip my hair over to the other <laughs> side. I did not know that. And I walked out of my office one day and I did this and I was actually having a good day. And Sarah looks at me and she says, are you okay? Uh, I'm confused. I was like, yeah, I'm having a great day. I'm okay. And she's like, are you sure? And Dawn looked up at me and she goes, are you sure? I was like, yeah. And they go, well, you, you just flipped your hair over. Okay. Yeah. What does that mean? And they said, "Yeah, whenever you're really worried about something, you flip your hair over to the other side." But, oh, that's fascinating, right? Because that is love and caring. Yeah. That they've paid attention to those kinds of details. Yeah. But I want to share one more thing with. you Yeah. To, to a, a point of where we may be wrapping up here, one of the things that we have done because it's a real culture shift, um, and I, I'm really proud of my staff for this, is we focus our training not just on our teachers not just on our instructional staff. We also bring in the custodial staff, we bring in cafeteria staff, Mm -hmm. we bring in front office staff. So when we take a look at trauma-informed practices for students, when we talk about the type of environment we want to have for our children, it's the bus driver, it's the cafeteria person, Mm -hmm. the yard duty, It's the custodian because the custodian is all over campus all, all day long and knows those kids and sees things that nobody else sees. And for every training that we've done, where all of my staff have been there, every single presenter, every single partner has commented, I've never come to a training before where the cafeteria and the custodial staff are here as well. Yeah. And that's really powerful because it means that we're training pockets. We are shifting culture in pockets and it's our classified staff. It's our bus drivers. It's our custodial staff. It's our yard duties who are usually most connected to the day-to-day of our community.
0: Yep. absolutely, Yeah.
1: Yeah. They are the ones at the barbecues on the weekends. They are the ones that have daycares out of their homes or a side business. And having those conversations with our our parents and in the grocery store or the post office or wherever it is. And so those are our best PR people. And they're the ones that are best able to tell the story of what's happening in our schools. So, you know, if I if I could be so bold as to ever offer advice to other uh, leaders, it would be that we really need to make sure as we look to shift culture, that we're not just shifting culture within the district office within the certificated staff, within a subgroup, that we're shifting culture with everyone. And that some of those trainings or workshops that we think only apply to teachers, right? Positive behavior intervention practices. No, you know, I really need my custodian to be a part of that too. Yeah. My custodian is likely to touch, not likely to, my custodian literally will touch every single room that my children are in yeah. and she needs to understand why all of this is happening and that the impact of what she offers in, whether it's vacuuming cleaning, hanging something up because she's also got co- that, that culture of love and caring towards the teacher who may have worked with five knuckleheads today and is exhausted. <laughs> and if she does a little something extra special in there that yeah. allows the teacher to have the energy, the passion and enthusiasm to offer that little extra something special
0: to a child. Because again, those, those people, I mean, your story about your, your head yard duty, who had a circle for every kiddo. I've told the story before when we talked with John Ike, who gave the great example of the messages of appreciation at the end of the year. Last year, we did it. We're going to do it again, where we put out a form to our entire community, parents, students, community. Who do you want to say thank you to? The top three staff members who had the most messages of appreciation number one the custodian and it was a substitute custodian long-term substitute custodian who had made that much of an impact in the lives of the students and the parents number two playground aid and number three the attendance clerk who sees all the kids come through the office it wasn't teachers it wasn't me it was custodian playground aid and attendance clerk who were the top three in terms of the amount of thank yous, the messages of appreciation, which just goes to show, like you said, they are they are touching the lives, or like you said in the custodian example, physically touching the classrooms of every single. I mean, he is in there the FaceTime, or she is in there the FaceTime. So now that's <clears throat> this is good stuff. I'm I'm hoping that that people listening to this are as encouraged as I, as I have been. So Pam, thank you for sharing. Really, really appreciate your stories.
1: Oh, thank you. Right, the stories of, of the people that I'm honored and blessed to work with because they are making the li- that are a difference in the lives of children every single day.
0: Even when we don't realize it, yes. which is what I would leave us with. You're, for anyone listening, you're making a, you're making a difference. For positive or negative, (laughs) you're making a difference in the lives of your kids, even when you don't realize it. When I come home at night, my wife says, how was your day? The days that I have the hardest time with, when I say, "Eh, I don't feel like I made a difference. That's that when I say I had a rough day, it's when I don't feel like I made a difference. And you're reminding me just because you don't, you're still making a difference. You're still making a difference. So,
1: One way or the other
0: one way or the other absolutely and pam for anyone who wants to connect with you online on twitter how could they how could they uh, connect with you make you part of their professional learning network
1: oh So thank you so much for saying that because I so appreciate the opportunity to connect with other folks and in all positions, right? So I'm at P. Gilders, you know, Gildersleeve Hernandez, that mouthful of a long last name, (laughs) Gilders, P-G-I-L-D-E-R-S on Twitter. I also have an at future ready Soup Twitter handle, which, uh, you know, when I saw that that was available, I could not not take that. (laughs)
0: Yeah, that's awesome. (laughs)
1: All right. So I do connect with um, teachers and with the day-to-day work that we're doing more through my app p gilders handle my app future ready soup handle is a little bit more of the work that we do that is setting direction and vision and policy right so a different focus in both of those i am on boxer again i am p gilders so any place out in social media It's P. Gilders. That's who I am out there. And I love to connect. I also love to connect with those folks who are in some of our smaller school districts so that we are here to support each other. And I love connecting with our folks from the larger school districts because they have the greater people capacity. And when we are small, I think we need to be thinking big, big in terms of what we offer our children. When we're big, it sometimes helps us to think small to make sure we can personalize what we're doing for our our kids, for our staff members. And so having those collaborative conversations with folks in all different sizes of schools and school districts is really an honor. And one of the things that I find is that I become a better person from everybody that connects with me or I have the opportunity to connect with.
0: The beauty of collaboration and the beauty of uh, technology with Twitter and things like that, that yeah, we're growing from people we never meet <laughs> that potentially we'll never, we'll never, uh, be in the same room with. And that's, that is fantastic. Well, Pam, once again, thank you so much. Really appreciate you sharing and encouraging me and, and our, and my listeners, uh, mom and dad, thanks mom and dad for listening. And, uh, again, if you are listening other than mom and dad, cause I already subscribed for my mom, still have <laughs> to subscribe for my dad. Um, If you're listening and you haven't yet subscribed, iTunes and Google Play, make sure you subscribe. It'll automatically come to your phone. And if you like what you hear, please drop me a review or a like in the the iTunes or, or Google Play store. Once again, that's not about me. That's because that will potentially get the word out that more and more people can find the podcast and hopefully be encouraged by stories like what Pam just shared. So everybody, thank you for listening. Pam, thanks for joining me. And until next time.